podcast. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the Rad Podcast. I am producer Brandon of the Rob Anybody and Don Show, and I am joined with by joined with by. See, you you, you taught me this. You, this this you created this monster. Joined with makes no sense. I know. Joined. You're, you're with. I am with, or but I am joined by Rob Williams. Hello, Brandon. See, that's how coaching happens. That's, <laughs> this is how you learn. Uh, it's been uh, 15, 16 going on 17 years since you first hired me on the show. And I think it's only been, I think it's been a couple of years since you've even been a guest on the podcast um, itself. So how have you been? <laughs> right. Because no one has any idea, right? <laughs> <laughs> about anything that's happened yeah, yeah I would, so it was uh it was pre-covid yeah last time it, i was on the broadcast it was yeah. yeah um and and nothing exciting has happened since no <laughs> no not not at all everything's exactly the same with the show and mm-hmm. the tone and, and the audience and gosh people are just great you know it's funny um so when we when we made the well not the last we made uh, long time listeners know we made a big change to the show in 2015 mm-hmm. and I've, I've told the story in the air before. The whole thing that motivated that change was what I was calling at the time the Jimmy Fallonization of America. Back when Jimmy Fallon was A, good, mm-hmm. and B, popular. He had taken over The Tonight Show about a year earlier, and he he would just come out, and he was happy, and he would dance, and he would tell these silly jokes and saw, and he didn't hurt anybody with right. his humor, right? Put celebrities in precarious situations. And it was always fun, all those games, right? Mm-hmm. And you could sense, you could tell that the, that the whole country, but of course, my main focus is our region, Northern California, Northern Nevada, was itching for that. We were we were coming out of you know the, the 2008 crash, all of the political mess of Obama being less than two years from the end of his two terms, and people wanted to have a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. They wanted things to be a lot more light, and so we made the adjustments that needed to be made made at the time with our presentation, and now it's like we're back to that dour, everybody wants to be, as a society now, mm-hmm. I, I don't know if wants is the right word, but it's like everybody is living in a perpetual state of angst, despair, and it's almost like, as much as people tell us how much they appreciate it when we make them laugh, mm-hmm. it's like a lot of people don't want to laugh. Uh, yeah, and it's almost like you, you said something on the on the, the live show today about uh, we're recording this on Monday, uh, August 16th. So if you want to re- reference the show <laughs> that I'm about to talk about, you actually said it perfectly that we have been conditioned to be to expect the worst case scenario. And for somebody with high anxiety like me, the last year was the worst thing that I could have ever gone through, I think, in my in my life. And, but I think that because... It, I think it was just embellished more because of everything that we had been through. So it's 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 hard to try to dig yourself out of that when it just does seem like everybody around us wants to be in that negative headspace. I think the other thing that embellishes it, though, is what you're alluding to with what used to be a, a half tongue in cheek expression that we're now living, mm-hmm. that hope is leading to endless despair yeah. because we have had how many times have we had the rug pulled out from under us or you know Lucy pulls away the football in the last six months mm-hmm. just in 2021 how many times has there been reason to believe things are about to get really good and some of us even got to feel it for a little while and then boom 
go right back to being not only being depressed, but it's worse than ever. Right. And it's going to stay worse. And that, that feeds into it. And how, so and now that we're here, how do you train yourself out of that? Because ultimately, ultimately it is up to you, the individual, to pull yourself out of that mindset because it's not going to be our leaders. It's not going to be our communities because everybody is, is gnawing at each other's necks. So, I, I one thing that I've noticed throughout the many years that I've been working for you is that you have this constant evolution of what I, I, I've actually referred I've referred to you recently as the enlightened Rob. <laughs> like you, you do seem like you have reached this level of Zen where it it makes it almost like you're impenetrable to the to the negative stuff that's happening right now. Um, I'm I'm sure that it it does have an effect on you. But how does one pull themselves out of that and create that armor to deflect all that stuff? Yeah, I mean, of course, it, as much as we joke on the air, I am human. And you're not human if this doesn't have an occasional effect on you. You, you have to not let it do what we're describing, though, to where it puts you in this endless state of morass right. or whatever uh, you want to refer to it as. And I kind of go back to something we talked about uh, last year is that – I, I liken to what we're all going through to an abusive relationship. And the minute we think we're going to come home and they're not going to beat us up is, is the minute they do mm -hmm. right. They, we have, we, and I, and I'm sorry to use such a, a, a morbid analogy, but it was so perfect when we used it, the, you know, the, you come home and we'll make it stereotypical. He's, he's nice to you mm -hmm. and it feels so good. And it reminds you how you got into this position in the first place. And then you get your hopes up and the next day, boom, mm -hmm. it's all back. And in that situation, obviously you need to leave. Right. Okay. Well, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to leave America? No. So what I've done, what my wife and I have really worked on, and we really started this actively, uh, last 4th of July, 4th of July, 2020 is we started actively working on two things. One, do not anticipate or expect anything positive that we have planned. Right. You know, I, I've been a big believer, especially the last many years since I figured it out in my mid-30s or so about living in the present, being present, right? Um, and so if we did make plans or, or hope for, like Thanksgiving of 2020, we rented a house in Lake Tahoe. It was not until Wednesday when we were in the car that we allowed ourselves to believe we're going to spend Thanksgiving in Lake Tahoe. Right. So I've really tried to adopt that attitude. And the, the big one that I think is the hardest one for everybody is you can't control anything right. other than yourself and your immediate surroundings, you know, your family. You know, I can, and I can only control Christina to a certain level, but I can help her and, and she with me. Yeah. But all of this stuff... It is. I mean, you've you've seen me on the air. I get I I get mad at some of it. Sure. But then I just let it go because what? What's the point of holding on to it? Exactly. Yeah. It's it's great that you have a partner who is willing to meet you there to basically agree that don't get your hopes up. This isn't. There's no reason to get excited about X, Y, or Z because of A, B, and C that we're expecting to happen. Um, I I can imagine if somebody were to be in a relationship where that wasn't the case that it would create a lot of tension. And I, you know, in, in a previous long-term relationship that I was in, it just so happened that that was one of the things that was a driving force against us, that she, she this person did not want to believe that the worst was happening. 
Mm. And and I I was I was labeled an Eeyore. I was labeled labeled a negative Nancy when all I was trying to do was be realistic. And so I can I can only imagine what it's going to be like after you know history goes back and looks at this last couple of years to see what the the degradation of relationships in general and how it related to everything that's happened around us. I think we've talked a million times on the show about compatibility in relationships, whether it be sexual or something else. And this, obviously, we didn't, nobody really saw the pandemic coming. Mm -hmm. So we, we now have like pandemic compatibility. And it goes a lot deeper than what we were talking about a year ago of, of if you're a COVID idiot and you're married to a mask hole, that's impossible. Mm -hmm. you're, you're now making it a much deeper thing, which, which is correct, is it really is about outlook on life and the ability to understand what you can and can't control and how much you want to get out of life. Mm -hmm. And the, 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 the type of person you're describing to me is, is somebody that I, it would be like, I, I, I wouldn't be able to be with someone that was, um, that was either Pollyanna ish mm -hmm. or that was feeding off of the drama. Neither of those things work for me because they're not reality. It's all fabricated. Right. Yeah. And, and I don't have time for that. <sighs> so it's, it's, it's very helpful to have people in, in, that, and and I uh, I think we've all talked about with COVID. Everybody has has either lost or lessened their contact with someone in their life, mm -hmm. and I've had to do that with a couple people because it's like you know every text is endlessly, you know, uh, death statistics or the, how and not like they're trying to say, see Rob, this is really serious. They know I know it's serious. Right. It's just I don't need it's it's like uh, president biden whenever he gives a speech on on covid he reaches into his uh, his uh his suit his, his whatever sport coat pocket mm -hmm. and he pulls out a card that he's given every morning that has the total number of americans that died from covid since it began whatever 600 plus thousand and, and i understand why he's doing that he's doing it for optics but imagine being with someone or being friends with someone who does that right every day check in every day i'm like no yeah. it, it did I thought baseball was back. Can right. we talk about that? <laughs> that way of life is really exhausting, and I think that speaks more to the to the personality that that personality individually. Because I can easily like if it wasn't for this show, I would be in 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 I would not be tapped into anything that's going on right now. I mean, I, I don't want to say that I would be completely ignorant to the to the to my surroundings, but I wouldn't let those things get to me like they get to other people and it's not I, I think that's because i'm very fortunate to have a job right now where i i can do that i can separate the happenings of the world right now and use this job as like a sounding board for all my frustrations and hearing other people's frustrations and having that perspective and being well informed by you but at the same time i just don't know if 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 i were not here i would literally i would probably be a hermit i would try my best to be more in with nature and, and the more I'm, I'm i'm talking the more ridiculous <laughs> i sound but i think that's because i have the perspective of how it is now like it, i would much rather be at one with nature than be in with society as it is right now well there's a reason that ignorance is bliss has been an expression since the beginning of time right. the problem is that you can't really marry ignorance and the state of the world today. Right. Because if you literally paid no attention to what's going on and you showed up one day and you're told to put a mask on your face, right? You're going to be like, pardon me? Why? What? <laughs> um, but I, I I use the show as therapy as well. I'm sure that's a big part of my enlightenment. Is that what you said? Mm -hmm. um, uh, because I'm able to just vent and spew. And, and <clears throat> a lot of times 
And I think it also helps me to not be that person I'm describing. Mm -hmm. Because when I find stories that make, on, what, on any topic, that give me an emotional reaction, I don't send them to friends because, you know, out of, oh my God, can you believe this? Because I know I'm going to talk about it tomorrow mm -hmm. or Monday or whatever. And so I think it saves me from doing that, which is, which is helpful as well. And I, I don't know what would be better at this point is being so informed or being as oblivious as you're suggesting you, you could be. I, I mean, for, me, for a guy like me, I, I don't have a choice to not be informed, but it, it, when we go on vacation and I unplug, it mm -hmm. feels great, but the minute you think about it, it's like, what doom do I have waiting when I open my laptop? <laughs> right, I mean, and I, I honestly, it's interesting that we, we were talking about this recently, and it, I think that people are so angry because there's just too much of an inundation of information. We're, we're being tossed too much to, to, that we can't even process. So, of course, we're going to react emotionally right off the bat. So we just have a bunch of emotional people with way too much information. A lot of it's not even true. So just even trying to filter all of it through is so exhausting. So I'm, I'm, I always try to, to, whenever people ask me about like the pandemic and how we feel about all these mandates, and I say, you know, similar to what you, you said, we can't control it. So make the best out of what you can do in your community. Help the people around you. Do something that brings you purpose within your own bubble and that will help you alleviate all those stresses of what's going on in Afghanistan or, or whatever. I think we're living in a um, – everybody – I, I want to be really careful here because everybody thinks they're living in the most important time of all. And that's not at all what I'm suggesting here. I think we're living right now in a perpetual state of angst and disappointment, and it, we're going to have to ride this thing out. Yeah. And I don't know how long it's going to last, a few years or – I mean, look, a lot. those of us of a certain age – would tell you that the best decade was the 90s because everybody was happy, everybody was making money, everybody was was there was no war. Mm -hmm. It's not that everybody got along, but people didn't weren't invested in politics like they are now. They were invested, but not like now. Mm -hmm. and, and 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 but that's and so we refer to that as a whole decade, and we forget that the opposite has to happen too. Right, you have to have periods of of angst and anxiety, and what you're describing is the right path of the right formula and you have to understand that we're gonna have to ride this out in the sense of it does suck to not especially if you become accustomed to living a certain way and I don't mean necessarily upper class middle class just whatever your lifestyle is if you become accustomed to flying somewhere on a whim or or vacationing every three months or going out to different places it a lot of it is gone mm -hmm. or a lot of it has become difficult or not fun right. because the other element to it is e even if the circumstances of what you're going to go do are good. Let, let's say um, you can go to you can go to um, concerts. You don't have to wear a mask if you're vaccinated, not vaccinated, whatever. OK, so it's basically no social distancing. You're at a concert, a football game. Mm -hmm. This uh, we're in preseason football right now. This just happened at the Rams game uh, this last weekend. You go, you're sitting outside, no mask. Everybody's so pissed and on edge. There was a huge brawl at the Rams game. It's a preseason football. I mean, did you see the video? I mean, I haymakers and, and, and like four on four. Just, I don't know the two related. I'm not saying nobody no. ever got in a fight at a sports sporting event. But this is another element of even if you get everything just right, then you got to wonder, what's the state of mind and mood of everybody around us? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think about that when I'm just out grocery shopping. If somebody bumps into your cart, they could be in the just the most 
piss poor mood, and it could be that they just lost their job, all uh, compounded with everything, and they're gonna, you know, whatever their reaction is gonna be, you have no idea what their life is like. Yeah, um, this seems like it's a good time for healing, though. I, I think that if you're ready for it, and I feel that if people can see that what we've been through has been traumatic for us. But we, we've, we've been given the opportunity now to have that perspective and to heal from all of this. And maybe this is where, uh, kind of what we're, we were just alluding to, is that if we can change that mindset, um, I, I, what I'm trying to get at is, how have you healed while doing this show? Like, in, in, in the history of the show, have you been able to put, put things aside while you're doing on the air and then come back to it, like compartmentalization of, of the, the situations you're going through in your life. Um, and I think the reason why I'm, I'm bringing this up terribly, setting up this, <laughs> this, this question, is that you have given me the ability to, to heal from a lot of stuff that I've gone through over the last couple of years. And I'm, I'm super grateful for the, the opportunity to be less transparent about my life and to not share so much about my the the the, the intimate details of, of what I'm going on personally, a lot of that is legal reasons. But <laughs> on the other on the end of the spectrum is I have been nothing but open. I have been nothing but just everything that I've been going through, good, bad, has all just been spilling out. And so I've I've been given the opportunity to just take a back seat. Now the the additions of Queenie and Kyle have actually helped with that quite a bit. Um, but at the same time. I, it made me think that you have had to come into the show when you've been going through various breakups, divorce, business dealings. Gosh, I can only I can only imagine like what stress you might be under when you're doing like contract negotiations, and then you have to just turn it on and be in the, on and do the show. You're the leader of the show too, so I, I've always found it commendable, and it, it it's it speaks volumes to the type of individual you are, and it's something that I aspire to be because I can't do that. I at least I can't do that before i feel like i am doing that now and i don't want to use this whole can't uh language because yeah negative speak i'm really trying to push that push that out of my my vernacular so um how did you do it like over after all all these years well let me go back to one thing you said about now being the time for healing yes i think the again to keep things in perspective you can't you can't fully heal while you're still experiencing the trauma which we are. Right. You can begin the process. So back to the analogy of being in an abusive relationship. Mm-hmm. While being abused, you can begin to get things right in your head and your affairs lined up so that you can leave mm-hmm. when you're ready. That's the problem here is that we're not in control of this. Right. So it's a good time to start the healing mm-hmm. if, if people haven't already. But, uh, but they shouldn't think that they're going to be able to become euphoric while we're still going through this. I've always been a great compartmentalizer. It's one of the things that when I got into management and radio, um, I was all of my bosses commented on it. I get that from my dad naturally. It's it's not it's I was blessed with it, and then I kind of honed it into an art. Mm-hmm. But what I really realized, uh, again, mid to late thirties, was your example of come in having to do the show under whatever duress you're feeling. We all feel it. We're humans. Mm-hmm. We have different moods. We it, it, It's easy when you're in a great mood, right. right? But you haven't slept, contract negotiations, divorce, whatever it is. It's one thing, and, and thank you, I do appreciate it. I, I have always been able to perform on the air 
But I also had to recognize that not just because I'm the leader of the show, but there are other people. I'm doing a team show. Off the air, they're going to feed off of my energy as well. Mm-hmm. Whether, whether I'm the boss or not, you and I have talked about this, that oh, sure. people will feed off of your energy. Absolutely. And in the end, it's, it's kind of like deciding whether or not to fight with your wife about something. <laughs> right? It's like, it, we use the expression, is this the hill I want to die on? Right. So twist that around a little bit. I'm in a, I'm in a crappy mood. And if I come in in a crappy mood and I let you all know that I'm in a crappy mood, it puts all of you on edge. Mm-hmm. Now, ultimately, you're responsible for your feelings. But what's the goal here? The goal here is to do a great show in this example. Mm-hmm. Well, then, because people, when they're like that, they like to, some people like to display that they're not happy, right? They want to soil you, right, right? With, with their negativity. Some people do it for attention. Others do it because they insist that you be in the same bad space that they're in. Mm-hmm. That's another thing people need to learn. It's okay if you're having a great day, Brandon, and I'm having a terrible day. Yeah. I don't need to bring you down. Right. And in the end, all of this stuff is, is, is what is the goal of each thing? Well, the goal during COVID, for example, mm-hmm. was to do the best show we could do under those circumstances. And it just so happens we're going to be talking about some really crappy stuff for probably three of the four hours or or whatever. Then the last thing you and Dawn needed from me at the time, because it was just the three of us, was me further showing or bothering or bringing in negative energy Mm -hmm. during the show. And and that's why we have that thing that we do, and, and none of us have really had to do it much lately, where it's like, give, give everybody a heads up. Right. When you can't control it, because there are days, mm-hmm. or you, you can't hide it, right? Right. Like, if I haven't slept all night, mm-hmm. it's like, I'm sending you all a text. Hey, guys, just so you know, didn't sleep well. Don't take anything out of it so that it relieves that, that anxiety. The, in terms of, of where it goes, that compartmentalization thing, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. And I'm so glad. Yeah. I, there's, there's, there's half a dozen things that I could be thinking about right now mm-hmm. and I right now literally can't access them because this is what I'm doing. This is where we are back to being present. Right. I, I feel like I I feel like in the my twenties I was really good. I'm thirty five now, but back in my <laughs> back in my twenties I did feel like I was really good at compartmentalizing. I was I was really good at at separating the things. So I I, I was a less stressful person. But then something happened in my thirties. I don't know if it was getting married or what, but it it just changed something in my mind and and it created this ball of anxiety and then COVID happened and it made it even worse now during that time i was going through a tumultuous situation in a relationship i was in so i i I wasn't able to to compartmentalize i had to be on alert all the time what's going to happen with COVID? what's going to happen with the show what's going to happen at home it was always a constant battle so i wasn't able to to and, and i don't know if that just created some sort of like ptsd in me where now all i can like all i then I, I feel like i'm shedding it i feel like over the last couple of months i've done a really good job at getting back to that place of being able to compartmentalize it and 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 i again i have to thank you for allowing me to have that the space here to heal without without it affecting the the day-to-day type type of stuff well i think also you're and this kind of relates to the most recent soapbox that I wrote. Um, everybody thinks they've got it all together in their mid twenties, mm-hmm. right? And then, um, and then in their their mid to late thirties, there's a catharsis, which is kind of what you started to to go through. Mm-hmm. And the real exciting thing 
for me with you is I can't wait to see in 10 years. Right. Um, not that you're not great right now. No. It's just you're on this journey that we're all on. And, and by the way, it's not like I do now say I have it all figured out. It's, mm-hmm. that's, it's the exact opposite. You actually get to a point where you realize you have nothing figured out and you're, you're kind of at peace mm-hmm. uh, with that. Um, but but the, 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 I think the other thing, the anxiety that you were talking about that came up in your 30s or early 30s or whatever, mm-hmm. That's very typical. It is. And it's it, it, the way I see it is, I think we, as we move along in this journey, we almost intentionally put ourselves into a position that somewhere in the back of our minds knows is going to trigger something that we need triggered that we have to deal with, even though it's going to be painfully awful. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that happen to so many people, including myself, in that late 20s, early 30s time frame. And then you finally come out of it, which is the other thing about your anxiety, whatever we want to call it, is you have, you are starting to learn and embrace. Everything's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. We're going to figure it out. You're going to figure it out, whether it's this show as a team or whether it's you in your life, because you're, you're finishing up ending a marriage Mm -hmm. and you, you're realizing that you're still here, right? It's it's not ending you. Right. Might not be fun. Believe me, I've been there. Right. Um, we went through COVID together, mm-hmm. and God knows in the beginning, nobody knew. Right. I mean, I knew everything would be okay. I just didn't know how we would get there exactly, mm-hmm. and I didn't know how actually great it would be right. in the end. Not COVID, but for us. Sure. And I think the more just little things around the building here, when it seems like the world is falling apart, mm-hmm. and you've had those mornings, we've had those mornings technically, we're always okay. Right. And I think that is added to it. When you know that, it's almost like your mind just tells yourself, "What am I anxious about? Why am I? I'm, everything's gonna be fine." Right. Yeah, and I think, and, and, and I'm sorry, I just want to no, think. We've okay. also had. I know you lost your mom. How many years ago? Oh gosh, ten, no, almost ten years ago. Yeah. yeah. You've also had some other big losses and scares recently, yeah. and so you're you're starting to adjust to the fact people come, people go, mm-hmm. whether they pass away, whether they divorce, whether they let you down and you've right. cut them out of your life, and you're getting more comfortable with that. This is true, and it's it's reassuring, and I and I haven't really come to that realization until the last couple of months. And I honestly, it wasn't until like late last year, um, things were really really nasty. Things were bad. I I was called Whoa. in to your office multiple times, and it was it was, I was in the worst shape of my life at that point. But you gave me permission to just take care of stuff. Just just worry about you. Don't worry about the show because. At that time, I, I was just fledgling for control, and I think the only thing that I had to, under control was maybe just this job, but I clearly did not have any control. And so it was it was just the one last thing that I had, but you had to basically say, get out of here, go, leave, yeah. do what you need to do. And and I, I'm, I mean... Is that the, that's the famous uh, Nick the Producer Returns <laughs> time frame? Yes, yes, it was, it was around that time. Did and you ever go back and listen to that? No, I, I'm so... PTSD, huh? I'm tainted yeah. because of the situation that I was going through, and and I'm scared to hear shows from 2020 because I know where my head was at and what was going on behind the scenes for me. That I mean, you only know. I'm sure you know a lot more than I than I think you know. Um, Dad but, always does. Yes, but uh, there there were things that were happening that that just that made things so toxic that I've I've only until recently been able to finally start putting behind me. Yeah. When when you're ready and you will someday. You, it's that it's just that very first segment of that very first show yeah. that you oh, yeah. will laugh your ass off at. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, yeah, you, I, I, I deduced that that's what you needed, and I hoped I was right. Oh, absolutely. Um, and and again, back to what we were just talking about. That was a that was it, <laughs> having you not here was a daunting thought, but I knew I'd figure it out. Right. We would make it okay, mm-hmm. and we did. We stayed on the air. Mm-hmm. It fortunately, this team has the ability to make awful radio fantastic radio and and that we did. Shirt. you know but i but i never doubted that we would be okay even though i was i was literally trying to explain to my wife like i i don't even know half the stuff brandon does mm-hmm. like i can't i can't just walk in yeah i own the place but i can't just walk in and flip all the switches and everything and i'll be okay mm-hmm. and and we were and you came back and uh you had a couple more months of Ups and downs, sure. Right? That's and that that was expected on my part. And the Christmas vacation talk we had, mm-hmm. I knew that was going to come if you just because I could just see the 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 grip the situation had on you. Yeah, the hesitation in me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and you know, obviously, I didn't want it to happen on Christmas vacation, no. but it had to happen. Yep. And I'm grateful for it. I, honestly, I've I've I there are some things that I wish I did differently, but I don't regret anything. And I'm so grateful for those tough love talks. Uh, Every situation that I've gone through has put me in a place today where I I was just telling you the other day where I feel like I'm reaching nirvana every day that I go get, get, get past, um, get more. Come on, man. (laughs) Every day I get more into the future. I am living in the present and, and I am so grateful for that. Um, And there's, there's just something to be said about, um, the idea that that this show can be therapy it has mm-hmm. been so therapeutic for me to be able to walk in and and just allow myself to feel the things i feel and not have it affect my job i don't know this is just this is this is a different type of animal and i've always had a hard time explaining how how good i have it here um but i i hope that it comes across that way in the work that i do and and the the performance that i have on the air well i think that the this is probably something that even though you and I are talking about it right now, that we, none of us really grasp exactly uh, how, how great we have it. Mm-hmm. So I, I think back to uh, 2020 when the shutdown started and somewhere around May, I want to say, my wife, Christina, who had to finish law school virtually, um, she had her first or one of her first of many, me too, okay, right, meltdowns mm-hmm. of 2020. And she said what I think one spouse may have said to the other in almost the identical situation throughout the country. You get to leave every day, Rob. <laughs> right? She just, she just wanted to literally go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, she also sees I'm exhausted. I'm working my ass off. The last thing I want to do is all of the, quote, work it takes to figure out somewhere to go. She would just like to maybe go outside. Right. And, and she pointed out, you leave every day. Nothing changed for you. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah, you can't stop at the grocery store and all that, but th- this is kind of the same thing as this show gives us, all of us, the catharticism that a lot of people don't have mm-hmm. because we do get to be on the show and feel whatever we're feeling. I, I see, because I see you through the, 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 the window here mm-hmm. when we're doing the show, and I see you sometimes when we're talking about COVID, and I can tell that you're having like like a very visceral reaction Mm -hmm. and that's great because 
whether it's visceral about COVID or it's visceral because it's a something negative that's bringing something else up in you, mm -hmm. you get to feel it while you're doing your job. Right. If you choose to speak about it, mm -hmm. it's embraced, and now you don't have to go bother someone else or seek out somebody else and spew that toxicity onto them and, and bring it back up. I don't think we can ever quantify how lucky we are with that. No, and I think people are so reactive to it that it's – Obviously, it, it's reflected on the, the listeners who are so grateful for us to they, they almost experience the catharsis, the catharsis, catharsis um, um, by by osmosis. Mm -hmm. Does that work? Really? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but um, at the same time, I feel like how do you deal with people reaching out to you and trying to like con either continue the conversation that you're having on the air or. That, that feel that they have access to you because you are on the air all the time. And I, th I think where I'm going with this is because... Are these friends? F sure, friends, okay. yeah. And and they... So, so I thought you meant like listeners because I just ignore them. No, 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 no. No. <laughs> it's, 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 it's the people that can like get to you via text that want to just continue this conversation like you you strongly believe on one side or the other, whereas we do present things... Um, from from a very uh, middle of the road point of view, but I feel like some people will take your your perspective and and assign it to you, and I find myself having to filter out a lot of people that are that are trying to um, use the show as like a springboard into an opinion that they might have, and it, it could just be really daunting. I mean, how do how do you deal with people that try to get access to you like that? Well, but again, that's why I asked if they're friends. I mean, if they're friends, they have access. Right. So are you are you describing friends that maybe step over a boundary? Sure. Or, um, I mean, I guess it would depend on. You have an example? Like, can you like can you give me a, a like? So there's uh there so there's there's the mask mandates that are being uh, imposed in the Bay Area, and somebody some like somebody will reach out to me and say. I know how Rob will feel like this, but how do you feel about this? You know, they, oh. they almost like assign the oh, and, and they they try to rope me into this this argument or debate or wanting me to feel what they're feeling in that moment, and I just have to I just have to you know shrug it off. So I okay, so I'll I'll get to the answer by going in reverse. I actually did that to a friend of mine um, recently. He was he he's older than me. Got vaccinated as soon as he could. And he reached out via a long text, which is not unusual for him. He and I will go back and forth about things, about how angry he was because he did everything right. And now because – and he, the way he phrased it was something like, because a bunch of stupid people won't do what they need to do, we're stuck where we are, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Well, I responded with, with some type of – because we will engage each other – some type of response which – said or implied that the people he was angry at were the unvaccinated. Okay. And he wrote back and said, I think you'd be surprised who I'm actually angry at. I've always said it's our political leaders, blah, blah. And I'm like, oh, I just assigned him mm -hmm. the perspective because I know him well. I know his political background. I know where he, his thoughts usually go. I just – and this is all through text, which is so unfair. Right. I just assigned to him that he is – reacting the way the quote media is telling him to react when he wasn't mm. so if somebody does that to me that's what i'll usually do is i'll push back and go wait a minute where did you get that from or if it's some about somebody who isn't me like 
I don't. I know how Brandon would feel about this. I might push back and say, "What? Where do you get that from?" Right. I also have been known to, depending on what the topic is, to just ignore it. Although, if they're friends, that's a little hard to do. Sure. But two really good tactics. One is just because you got a text doesn't mean you have to respond. <laughs> you and I are sitting in a studio for about an hour to do this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well. If my wife or any of my friends have texted me in the last 20 minutes, they're not getting a response for another 30 or 40 because mm-hmm. I'm busy. Mm-hmm. Just because I know I'm not busy doesn't mean they know right. that I'm not busy. So if you get something, if I get a text like that that triggers me, <laughs> the first thing I might do is walk away mm-hmm. and respond a few hours later because my response might be vastly different. Right. And the other thing, too, is I have no problem saying, look, they're not friends if I can't say to them, Hey, man, today I can't do this. I do this for a living. I'm not on this topic right now. Right. Or I don't want to talk about the show or Brandon. Or mm. And I, th- I think, by the way, I got a few off and on messages from people when in the fall of last year when you were hot, you know, off the air for a little bit and things like that. And most of them were nice. You know, you know, hey, man, is everything OK with Brandon? But it's like, are you? Are you poking? You want information? Right. You know, and the response there is as simple as we got everything handled. Right. And, you know, you give them nothing. But, <laughs> but yes, people will, they will, they will constantly push that boundary. Yeah. And you still find out that a lot of them are still valuable and you want them in your life, but you got to set up those rules. Yeah. And the, the boundary thing is, is huge. And I, the, the one thing that I have been playing a lot, which is unfortunate that I've had to play this card more frequently recently is that hey that that's the show i I don't discuss that stuff outside of the show you want to talk about something else great but uh, at this point i I don't have the energy or time or do i really care to discuss it with you in particular you know it's just that that became our fallback position last year when one of the places that never closed was our cigar lounge Mm. and my wife and i had to we were like oh my god that's what you do at cigar lounges you talk and the only thing going on is covid and I don't know why it took us so long to realize all I have to say is exactly that. Mm-hmm. Hey, guys, we're going to, no offense, you guys yuck it up. We're going to go sit in the corner, and it's not because we don't love you. It's because this is what I do five days a week. And it works anywhere, right. anywhere and, and everywhere. You're not, you know, you're not bound to have to talk about mm-hmm. anything. Are you still going to the Cigar Club? We, we are not as often as we'd like, which has to do with distance and time. And, yeah. and, and also, I got to tell you, when... When you love your home and you have everything you need in it, yeah. and now we're not locked down, so the change of scenery thing isn't as pressing. It's, it's like, yeah, we can, we can, and it's really fun to get some nights to get dressed up, and because that's what we do at the cigar lounge, um, that and 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 go there and and smoke with other people. It's great, mm-hmm. but when it's you know six o'clock on a Friday night and you've got a humidor with a, a couple thousand cigars in it and and you've got the best liquor it's like why do yeah. we really wanna right. so that happens a lot more even even at the brandon shack i i will be there at friday at 6 p.m and i've got like two two joints and, and some <laughs> mediocre booze in the in the fridge and i still feel that way that, that even though the world is open and there are things to do I, I i have found over the last year that that i actually enjoy just kind of just just being mildewing and slothing around and not really having to live the hey what are we doing today type of lifestyle there there's a lot of that i think that 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 the positive that i've taken out of the last yeah year. and i think probably part of it is you've got you're getting more and more comfortable with being alone oh that is huge yes. um and 
and then there's all those other fat factors that we've already talked about about people being weird and awkward and, and strange. And the other thing too is, of course, the this job, yeah. Fridays. Especially, I mean, if, if my wife and I make plans on Friday, that means Friday is nap day. Oh, yeah. Because for five days in a row, I've gotten up at 2 or 2.30 in the morning, mm -hmm. and that includes Friday. So if we're going out at 7 that night, I've, I'm exhausted from the week. And when it's 6 or 7, if you don't have plans, right. the idea of, oh, yeah, let's go on a fly, it, it, it makes it hard. And big big deal, small price to pay for what we do, but True. it's a reality. True, and that that's that's funny that you bring that up because of the, over the last few months, we've been doing this uh, the, the summer with the Rad Kids at Fire Up Esports Lounge, and it's amazing. It's so much fun. It's it's a great opportunity to get out there and meet the maggots and and hobnob, which we've been robbed of for the last year. So it's been really cool to, to get that connection with people. But I have to tell you, every Friday or Saturday has been really brutal because it takes me another day just to regroup and rec and, and just to gather my my stamina for the next week um that i that i don't have so i'm always begging for like a second sunday or something yeah. to pop up because it's it's brutal but it's so worth it and i'm I, i'm not complaining at all but it's just the reality of of the type of schedule that we live in and stuff. yeah and it's it's not you know it's so easy for people to hear that go ah it's because you're getting old no no it's it's <laughs> it's like every year um, I know that the Sunday before Thanksgiving is going to suck mm -hmm. um, and that I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I'm on my sofa at 8 a.m. watching football all day and not working because the previous day was Brian Apalooza. Mm -hmm. Five to six hours of meeting listeners, hundreds of them taking pictures, talking, which is great. I, I don't mean to make it sound like a chore, but it is work. It takes a lot of energy. And it goes back to what you were talking about earlier. It's one thing to make sure that we give each other here at the Rad Studios the most positive vibe that we can. Mm -hmm. It's a whole other level because no one on this show is allowed to soil a listener. I mean, they make us. Right. And so, hey, guess what? Here's a newsflash. Every event we do, I'm betting some of these Friday nights at Fire Up, every Brian Apalooza we've done, things have not always been great in our lives. Right. That is not something they want to see, hear, or feel. Yeah. It's a lot of work to turn that switch emotionally, yes, mentally, and so uh, it, the you you have to prepare for what the fallout of that is going to be, and yeah, it'll it'll shave a day off you. I I, I noticed a couple weeks ago on a Monday that you were dragging. Oh my god! And I I think I told you I said to my wife I said. I think he's on like six of those fire up things and three in a row because, mm -hmm. you know, she always asks me how the show is. I can tell Brandon's a little uh, dragon today. Yeah. And and that's exactly what it was. It was just like it was a tougher weekend for you to recover. from. It was, I think it was after one of those Saturday ones, too, oh. which which I, you know, I had all day Saturday to prepare for. But it's still, you know, that that's the Saturday night that I would normally not be expelling that much energy. Right. Um, so I, I Friday, fire it, fire it, fire up on Friday night. We'll Good be there. Job. Seven. Yeah. Great Thanks. promo. Thanks. That was awesome the way you, know, you, you stumbled over the letter F. I've been stumbling over everything <laughs> during this recording session. In fact, like before I even came in here to record, I had this whole grandiose plan of like setting it up because we're gonna this is part one of 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 a podcastception this week because the next part will be the probcast and it'll be the tables have turned, which by the way, we should have switched uh, positions. Yeah, you I noticed you still kept me in my captain's yeah, chair. You should have sat in the guest chair while I sat in the captain's chair for this episode. Yeah, well, you're still sitting yeah. in the guest chair next time. So. I know, I know. Okay. So. Um, but I, I had this whole thing planned out, this whole soliloquy and all this fancy, like, little... It didn't work out that you way know what? at it all whatsoever. Does. It never does. I mean, because... <laughs> 
<laughs> if I, in fact, I have to stop myself now. If I, because I'll, I'll do this mostly on the drive in. I've got about a 15 minute drive to the studios. If I go so far as to actually, because I don't care if I look like an insane person, although it's also dark out, I'll talk out loud to myself in the car. Right. But if I go so far as to actually go down the road of doing a monologue about something I know we're going to talk about, mm -hmm. when I do it on the air, it's no good. It, right. I mean, it's not only not as good, it's not good. Right. Be there's something about that first time you do it, you get it all out. And then the second time, now you're acting. Right. So what I have to do is I have to just think about, okay, Afghanistan, uh, uh, don't, don't start, don't start lecturing now about what, don't, don't just think about what's going on and, mm -hmm. and, you know, little bullet points in your head. Because I think, I think a lot of people can relate to that. When you over rehearse and you don't have, you don't have notes, right? You don't mm -hmm. you, the breakup speech. Oh God. Okay. The one thing that's always <laughs> as bad as you expect it to be. You can rehearse it as much as you want. It's never going to go well. And the more you rehearse it, the worse it gets. Yeah. And people can asking for a raise you're all these things the it's one of the rare times in life where i would i would say not less preparation is better but no one to stop the preparation yes be yeah. informed but don't perform hey yeah, i, like I that. just made that up put that on a shirt that was very jesse jackson-esque <laughs> and that is a very hip reference on my part <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of bad radio promotions, do you remember uh, thirty days, thirty bars, and thirty nights that our flagship station, Ninety Eight Rock, did? I remember the the promotion. So they they'd send the the afternoon and the evening jocks out to a bar every single night for thirty days for a couple of hours, and each jock would proceed to get completely hammered every night. And I'm thinking about that now because I I was in promotions at the oh. time back when we did back when we did that. And it completely ruined these guys that would the, the DJs that would go out because they would also have to come in and do their their show the next day. It was the stupidest promotion I could ever think of. Looking back now, that is awful. I know. I, I could not imagine. I'm I'm complaining about doing it every Friday night and hardly even drinking, but going out to a bar every single night. The, it was the same people. Mm -hmm. Every night for thirty nights in a row. Thirty nights in a row. And of course, part of the problem is there. There, like everybody, the, the stereotype, which is true, is that stand-up comedians almost always have these horrible pasts or this dark side mm -hmm. to them, which is what made them stand-up comedians. Mm -hmm. Well, radio people, even I mean, first of all, most of them are not nearly as talented, but they're all screwed up. And I mean, alcoholism is rampant in this industry. Yeah. So you, you, the idea of going out and not drinking is so difficult mm -hmm. until you've had some life-altering experience that like forces you to do it so i can i can totally see i mean if that would have been me in my 20s you know i would that's what i would have done that's just murder yeah i couldn't do it no and and then and and you you went through that you had to get comfortable enough with yourself to not drink yeah when we would go out and and do events and and the problem too is it's one thing to have a drink to take the edge off. It's another thing to be at a bar every night, and it's a bar. Oh yeah, and, and you're you're and, drinking with the listener, and you're a DJ, and a listener's like, "Ah, oh, dude, let me buy you a drink." Oh, all all night long. That's terrible. Are any of them still alive? I, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Um, I do know that some of them are on another show now. Boo. That, yeah, uh, but yeah, I don't think I don't know if that, based on the ratings, I don't think they are alive. Ah, gotcha. <laughs> so I I think I'm we're, we're getting towards the end here, and one of the reasons why I even wanted to do this was um, I was 
reading your and listening to your latest soapbox. Which you have to do because you put it into the well, computer or whatever. And I do enjoy it. Oh, okay. Especially when, now that you record it because then I can listen to it while I'm doing the work and, and putting it together. But I really enjoyed this week's. It's uh, I'm Old, You're Stupid. <laughs> and um, there was you, you've been mentioning some things in your soapboxes recently where you often refer to you know friends asking for advice and that a lot of the times they won't even listen to it because they're not ready to hear it, which is totally understandable. But it made me think I've never actually asked you for advice. I've always gone into your office and said, hey, how's my job performance? How's, <laughs> is there anything I could do to improve my job? I never actually asked you for advice in general for, you know, just, just as a person. And I, I've always, you know, I feel like I've, I've had the advantage of watching you, working with you, hearing what you say on the radio. So it's almost like I do get that advice um, just by proxy. But maybe you can give me some advice here before, before we close out the well, episode. I, I mean, I assume you're talking about things outside of the job because yes. you have come to me and asked, hey, how should I handle this situation? Because sure. we don't highlight it a lot, but you're in a management position around here. Right. So occasionally you come to me and say, here's the thing. What do you suggest? Or here's my idea. Do you like that? And it's all been great advice. It's all worked so far, I think. And then you've been given um, uh, un, un, unasked for advice. True. As recently as late last year. True. Um. And that's only out of what I thought was necessity, right? It, it was. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, I mean, when somebody wants advice, it's more like, well, what do you mean? But right. advice about what? Do you want that the secret to life? I mean, <laughs> that I ain't got. No, 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 no. And, and I, I realizing now how broad that is. But I think that, I think where I'm going with this is coming from somebody who's just getting out, you know, going through a divorce and soon to be out of it. I feel like I'm starting my life over at 35. You are. <laughs> and so what would be your best advice for somebody like me who's restarting their life at this point in time? Well, it's kind of a simultaneous thing of get amnesia while maintaining great memories. Ah. You know, that's a, that's a broader version of that plaque that you can buy at Bed Bath & whatever. Um, that every now and then one of those schmoopy sayings makes a lot of sense, mm -hmm. right? Uh, love like you've never been hurt. Right. And it's really easy after you go through a divorce, even good divorces, mm -hmm. um, it's very easy to be bitter. I mean, we hear them and see them every day. They call or they write and things like that. And they they project the anger they have on their ex onto everyone else that they're attracted to. Mm -hmm. And also in, internally as well. Um, and I, I mean, I did that with the relationship I had before I met my wife. When that relationship ended, it was such a blow to me that, and that I felt so betrayed that I went, I, what I did instead of necessarily taking it out on all women was I took it out on myself and abused myself, um, to a, to the point where had it not been for my wife and a few other people, I don't know where I'd be right now. So I think you have already kind of conquered the self-abuse thing. <laughs> You've had your times yeah. doing that, and I certainly don't see you doing any of that. But there were, in your last long-term relationship, there were some good things. Yeah, It wasn't all awful. And at the same time, it, my father's words of wisdom when I was in high school, always remember how bad it was. So that you don't repeat those mistakes with other people moving forward and with yourself. Right. This, this, this thing you're not sure of about 
you know, when you when you turned around 30, was it because you got married that you got all this anxiety? Mm-hmm. Maybe it was. Yeah. And that's that's on you, not the other person. Exactly. So what did you do to allow that to to come in? Mm-hmm. And and that'll help you not only in relationships, but also in your life. But the other thing, too, about this question is I see you doing everything right. And you just alluded to this. I mean, and I try I try to be um, as little of a. A, an emotive smartass as possible, but when you come into my office, and and it's the and it's the whole, hey, am I doing okay thing? Not not like a, you presented it a little differently here. You said, uh, you know, like uh, I could you evaluate my job performance? That's not what you do. Right. You come in sometimes, mm. right? And you go, um, is everything okay? Kind of sort of thing. And I'll like I'll almost laugh at you, like, dude. First of all, you know the rule. No news is good news. I'm not I'm not the cheerleader boss kind of thing, right? And and then I really try to find something specific to say, look, you're you're doing everything great and here's something else mm-hmm. that you're doing really well. Or here's something that we already talked about, but I'll remind you you shouldn't do that again, mm-hmm. sort of thing. But it, it you're you're getting better at that. And I see you growing into being comfortable with your it's a process too it is there's there's sure there's things i could say but it's you still have to live them right right the the words aren't going to change or or motivate you they might for a day or two but you have to go through them and and live them and experience them it's the same thing when you see somebody's about to make a horrible mistake Mm -hmm. well they probably have to in order to learn from it I think there's a combination of things that I, that I'm experiencing right now, and and I know, I get, I get, I lobbed that that advice question at you just out of nowhere, but I feel like there's a lot of things that I've been putting together recently. Um, going back to your care less soapbox, I, I I'm learning that I am caring way too much about what you might be thinking, mm. or I might be caring way too much about um, how how things are going to get done here, while knowing full well that I could trust that things are getting done. Things are fine. Things they're just, everything is going to be okay. So there's that other layer of everything is going to work out just the way that it should. And I just need to give myself permission to just let that be. And the other thing too, that I would add in to anybody is I would, I would, if depending on how intimately I knew them, I would start with eliminate or get control of everything in your life that can cause anxiety. Figure out a way, because because then only, that kind of eliminates anxiety, but only like dramatic things cause you problems. For example, one of the big things that people uh, are constantly anxious about, it's almost like a, a runner in the background of their hard drive, is money. Yeah. Right? It's like get get off the table the idea that your paycheck to paycheck, you don't know what you would do if. You know, we spend so much time worrying about if. Mm-hmm. Well then, okay, get financially well so you're not worried about that. And then go through other parts, you know, health-wise. You, you've do- dove in, you're back into the, the gym and eating right or whatever the hell it is you're doing, you mm-hmm. look great. You. That's important, right? It's, it, it, it's important in the sense of you're comfortable with it. Right. And that's all of those things because then, you don't have if you're if you're prone to this, you don't have anxiety when you look in the mirror. Right. The stuff we know that we're prone to being anxious about, get a hold of it or get a plan in place because that'll help you a lot. And I feel like that that obviously the the hardest part 
with all of those things is the choice that you have to make mm. ultimately to make those changes. And there are times where it's just easier to just be like, oh, I don't want to deal with it. It's just, <laughs> this is going to suck. It's going to take work. And that's, that's just it. It's, it's, it's work. But if you put in the right amount, it, it doesn't feel like work after a while. Um, I, there was a quote that I just found recently that, that I feel like speaks to a lot of what we were, we were just uh, covering today. It said, the most profound personal growth does not happen while reading a book or meditating on a mat. It happens in the throes of conflict when you are angry, afraid, frustrated. It happens when you are doing the same old thing and you suddenly realize that you have a choice. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, I appreciate um, – this time that you were able to share with me today and the free therapy session that you uh, ultimately are paying for. So <laughs> thank you very much, Rob. You're welcome. Namaste, bitches. The Rad Broadcast. The Rad Broadcast. The Rad Broadcast.